0: uh, Let's start here. Welcome, viewers, our listeners, anyone that has been following this podcast for a while. I really am humbled, and I appreciate it. Uh, Today, we have the honor of speaking with Dr. Frederick Clark. He is the assistant professor of economics at the uh, Zapar School of Business, and he teaches... Fascinating topics that range from game theory to uh, microeconomics to um, even understanding political science and uh, having his degree in there. Uh, Just a very insightful individual. And I just wanted to welcome you. Welcome, Dr. Clark. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So, uh, uh, just real. Just just to kind of break the ice uh, a little, uh, um, maybe we could start with one question of uh, what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week?
1: Okay, so this is actually probably not the best question to ask me. I <laughs> used to try to keep up to date with uh, a lot of current events and I could be informed and help my students be more informed. But in recent years, I've kind of decided that following the news and listening to what is there kind of gets you to start caring about a lot of things that you have very little control over, which may or may not be great for your mental health. So I think I've tried not to keep up to date on current events. There are one or two things I have heard. Um, but mainly what I've been reading recently is I've been reading this really cool, um, book by Michael Lewis about the uh, behavioral economics and how all that started in the psychological field. And so I think the most interesting thing I've been reading is about how models of our, our decision-making processes in our mind works. And this is, seems like it's probably relevant to what we'll be talking about today in terms of game theory. So, what, First off, what is game theory and how
0: did, did it become interesting to you and how did you start thinking about it?
1: So in some disciplines, game theory is known as the theory of strategic situations. So fundamentally, it's when my decisions affect you and your decisions affect me. It's not just I'm making a decision on my own for my own benefit. It's really when what we're doing matters to each other. And specifically what I'm interested in is what's known as non-cooperative game theory, where I have my own agenda, you have your own agenda. And so you basically use Primarily rational choice models, the idea that everybody is just kind of this super intelligent utility maximizing, I know this using a lot of jargon here, but (laughs) a person who's basically looking out for their own interest, effectively sociopaths. And if you analyze it from that point of view, what decisions do you expect people to make and what's the best responses to these? And you'll find out what's likely to happen in these situations. So... uh,
0: in a decision-making aspect where there's two I mean two just, or more just yeah just to get it get it uh, straight there there's two parties two or more parties as you said um, uh, is is there off the top of your head is there any practical um, application of of this for for maybe someone not necessarily thinking about going to business or anything uh, in economics or finance but uh, a common application that you, you would see for just just the average student
1: La Sierra? <laughs> so I'm the wrong person to ask about this because usually I'm interested in these types of things for purely theoretical reasons. I understand, I like understanding the theory behind it, but I guess I've always had the type of mentality which fits with economics and game theory because I remember when I was a kid, um, I hated doing homework and I always tried to get out of it and my dad would always make me do my homework as soon as I got home before I could go outside and play. And growing up in New England where you have a lot of really short days and not much time to go outside before the sun goes down and it gets too cold or something, I really had to do whatever I could to make sure I get got done as quickly as possible. And that wasn't me doing a lot of homework. What it was was one time i remember i had this pen eraser and i noticed it like took off the top layer of the paper and so we were ass- on our assignment sheet it showed all the numbers that we were supposed to work on and a bunch of them i thought were just busy work and i didn't want to do them so i erased a couple of the numbers that would have taken me a long time to do. And then I'm like, here, dad, look, I'm done. I can go and play now. And he let me go play. And then the next day when I turned it in, the teacher seemed very unhappy with me for some reason. And he called my father in and they were having this long discussion about, you know, why I did this. And I remember them saying, you know, I don't know how he could think he would get away with this. And I was thinking to myself, I already got away with it. I didn't do those assignments and I did get out to I did get out and play that day and really them talking about it doesn't affect me This is a really long way of answering if you understand the rules of the game and what incentives are to every party you can actually make a lot of decisions that benefit you um and have no cost to you and maybe it's not what people want from you but it makes perfect sense to do it that way in a slightly less um Selfish way of looking at this, you can actually learn to design systems and incentive structures. You can make it so that if you're working on a group project, it's not just set up that so that the person who cares the most ends up doing all the work. You can set it up so that other people end up doing part of the work if you understand game theory and if you understand how to make other people's payoffs for doing what they're doing match what you want them to do. So
0: just a... Just, uh, further kind of ask um, if, if I'm getting this right, but game theory is basically a general, uh, a, a, a general overlaying of decisions that can be made with,
1: with um, a certain task that... Yeah, so anytime you have decisions that are being made by multiple people at the same time, What game theory is, it's a way of looking at each person's preferred outcomes and kind of ranking them or assigning a a numerical value to them. And that's a tool that allows you to really identify what's important to you. And more importantly, put yourself in the other person or people's shoes and figure out what's important to them. And when you understand that better, then it allows you to make decisions in all sorts of scenarios.
0: That's awesome. Well, uh, you kind of... You kind of touched on just current events in general. Is there any specific, uh, any specific event that kind of pops out to you that kind of fall? Uh, uh, I I don't want to over say this word too. too I don't want to say this word too many times. But specifically to to what you teach, uh, game theory, e-
1: economics, anything big happen currently? So recently the current administration has been talking about getting into dialogue with North Korea and this is right along negotiation and dialogue of this kind is right along the lines of game theory. It's Mm -hmm. some of the things that you can really analyze with that. And it's interesting that before this happened, we kind of didn't fulfill our side of the bargain with our nuclear agreement with Iran, which meant, you know, if you decide to give up nuclear weapons and sign an agreement that makes it so that we're working together on something, we will not fulfill our side of that bargain, Mm. which is kind of a strange bargaining position to get into when you want to talk to North Korea. But then recently the news has said that we're not going to talk to them after all and we won't have the summit. So um, that's kind of interesting to me. So uh, I
0: I know it was totally unrelated, but you did... uh you mentioned the, the aspect of mental health. Uh, I, I just want to see it from your perspective, how much does that apply uh, in terms of like, how much does understanding the psychology of the individual or uh, deploying empathy, like how much does that apply to the whole game theory if it even does?
1: So a lot of times I describe my class you know, a good portion of my game theory class that I teach as bad relationship advice. Because if you actually look at relationships from a game theoretic point of view, you're like, where I'm trying to maximize my utility and it doesn't really matter what the other person's utility is. Well, first of all, if you really do care about the other person, then that should be incorporated into your analysis, right? But in general, if you're looking at it as a way to win whether the other person wins or loses, then you're probably doing it wrong. But these are tools you can use in a lot of situations. You can say, I don't really need to do this if it's important enough for the other person to get done that they can do it, right? And then if you do this repeatedly over time, it leads to bad results for everybody. Uh, We try to give tools for people to understand both the short-term, like we call them one-shot games, what's best for you in those situations and then we try to emphasize that if you have repeated interactions if you have a long-term goal then it can be very detrimental to go for whatever is the best in the short run so you mentioned tools that you might uh offer
0: with your classes uh just so we could kind of get the overview how how would you or how do you go about structuring your your course on game theory uh uh game theory game theory
1: specifically so game theory specifically i'll teach them you know very basic things like how to find a nash equilibrium looking for dominant strategies things that are actually pretty easy to do because they mostly rely on you looking at two numbers two or three numbers and identifying which of them is biggest so it's really simple math most of the time and then Based on that, you can determine what the outcome of that game is, right? And so I'll go through that. And afterwards, I'll give them, first, I'll give them games that are already set up and they'll try to solve them. And then the really cool stuff is I'll give them situations and they have to set up a game and find a solution for it. Or I'll show them a lot of clips from movies. Like The Dark Knight is a great example. Whoever wrote that movie loves game theory because there are a lot of game theoretic examples in there. I'll show them a clip from the movie. I'll say, set up the game here and solve it. Or even better, can you reframe this game or change the game so that it works better for everybody involved?
0: It is a business course as well. Um, with your perspective, why have game theory? Why is it important?
1: Well, I guess from a business point of view... A lot of your negotiations, like salary negotiations, negotiating, negotiating prices and deals with other companies, all of these things rely on you understanding what each party has to offer, what each party has to gain or lose from this. And if you use the tools of game theory, you might be able to get a better deal from that. Um, however, saying it's a business class, I probably am going to take a slight issue with that because I would say that Economics in general is a social science. It's a social science that's very applicable to business, but I try to teach this as a science class because any science you learn or any tools, scientific tools or methods you learn are kind of agnostic in terms of how you use them. You, they, you don't have a specific goal toward using them. They're just something that can be applicable in a lot of parts of people's life. The best thing I like about teaching this is a lot of people are are pretty bright about this. And as soon as they understand it, they say, oh, you could use this to do A or B. A lot of things that I never would have thought of. So I feel like I learn a lot when I'm teaching this too.
0: Not only in the aspect of um, you finding benefit from teaching it, but just as an overall topic, why is it important to you?
1: It's important to me. So I guess one of my primary motivations is just understanding how the world works. And understanding human behavior is really fascinating to me. And this is one way to actually try to make sense of the world. Why do people do what they do? Why do we have the systems in place that we have? Why, why are there structures in the world? Why, why do people make the rules they do when they don't seem to make sense? And sometimes if you use game theory, you can say, oh, well, actually what doesn't make sense for society's sake makes a lot of sense for the people who are making the rules and are doing these things. So I know that's like not very personal to me, but it is really important to me to understand how these things work. And what was really cool to me is that, you know, I was kind of bad mouthing game theory at the beginning. I was saying, oh, you know, it's a sociopathic or psychotic way of looking at things because everybody is just purely rationally self-interested and one of these super geniuses to be able to calculate their own utility and know what it is all the time. But you can actually use game theory in a way that doesn't rely on people being, you know, these rational homo economicus super bright people, right? What my research focused on in grad school was actually evolutionary game theory it's the type of game theory which applies to biology and a lot of different things. You can actually look at animals because we know the animal behavior is can be inherited, right? And you can use the tools of game theory to look at how two spiders or two tigers might interact with each other, whether they choose to fight each other or just stay in their own territory, all these types of things. And it provides predictions. And... One of the things that I thought growing up was that biology was a boring subject because all you do is memorize a lot of lists and you don't really... um, And maybe you learn what the Krebs cycle is and how that works, but it's not really... There's not an underlying fundamental mathematical understanding of how it works, but the truth is there is. And game theory is actually a big part of understanding how all organisms on the planet work. Like these cicadas that... Um, only breed every 17 or 19 years. They're finding these large prime numbers to try to avoid being, being predated or by you know the animals that eat them, right? And all of these things you can actually explain using the tools of game theory by looking at it in terms of not individuals making rational decisions, but whole populations. The
0: things that happen in this world that are not necessarily analyzable. I don't, that's not even a word. All right. You're not, you're not actually able to analyze it.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you agree or disagree. So mm, there are a lot of things that aren't analyzable and I'm going to answer kind of what you didn't ask first. Um, (laughs) That wasn't really a question. That was just more of a, I understand. Um, But first of all, game theory only works when you have interactions between animals or, you know, Within you can even what, plants. What, but, and uh-huh. so if you're like making a decision purely on your own, where your decision doesn't have a big effect on other people and, and the reverse is also true, that's just more generally decision theory. It,
0: There's a difference.
1: Yeah. Decision theory is like, I make a decision and nobody else really cares what I do or other people are making decisions and it's not really directly affecting me. That's, that's just, pure decision theory and game theory is just a subset of this where, Mm. which is more interesting to me because it's, yeah, there's more interaction. (laughs) Second, there are a lot of things that we can't analyze. Most of that is just because we can't get good data on things. Like one of the things that's really interesting, and I think most people would agree is very important is intentions matter, right? We can analyze people's actions, but if somebody is doing something If something, someone is like crashing into your car because they were careless, that's a completely different thing than if they're crashing into your car to stop you from hitting a pedestrian or something, right? And so intentions matter, but a lot of the time we can't measure people's intentions because we don't have the ability to look in their brain and really understand what's going on very well. And to me, it seems as though those are the types of questions that eventually we might be able to answer given the right level the right tools and the right level of technology. There's a bunch of stuff which I never thought we'd be able to measure before, which we can using things like FMRIs or I don't know, gravitational wave detectors in astronomy, this type of thing. So I might sound uh, needlessly optimistic here, but I really think everything is measurable in theory. And it's just in practice, a lot of things are really hard to measure.
0: Now, what would you rate game theory? And on that scale of, of being able to measure?
1: I would say that game theory is still highly theoretical. And part of the problems with practically applying game theory is that you can't really know what somebody's utility is for something. And we don't really think in reality that the concept of utility and maximizing utility is actually the way people make decisions. So I, I think I'm fundamentally undermining the foundation of game theory, but it's not really true because you can have non-rational decision-making models too. So,
0: Well, well maybe we could go on the other, other end of it. Uh, what's something that people don't understand about the U.S. economy today?
1: Um, probably the election of uh, 2016 made me realize that people don't understand the very basics of how economics works. Because every major um, candidate in that election was saying that we need to restrict trade in order to help our economy. But the economy works because you have specialization and people gain from being specialized and doing their own thing, right? So limiting people from specializing and doing the things that they're inherently better at relative to other people is the exact thing we don't want to do and listening to people talk about you know we win when we have trade surpluses and lose when we have trade deficits makes me think that people don't understand what the economy is and why we can have seven plus billion people on the planet today and the standard of living is way better than it was when we had fewer than a billion people. Because if you look at it from, and this is going back to game theory, if you look at it from a zero-sum point of view where there is a certain amount of stuff, and if one person's getting more of it, then the rest of us must be getting less of it, this is really intuitive to us, and I think it's kind of the way that makes sense to us in a hunter-gatherer society sort of way, like our ancestors were. But when you have people who specifically do certain tasks and they get better and better at those tasks, it makes everybody's lives better off. And so seeing somebody else doing better should make you happy because it means you're probably, you have probably have a good chance of being better too. Sorry, I'm going a little bit too far off topic there, but yeah, I think realizing that Allowing as many people to interact through the use of markets as possible makes all of us potentially better off should be so fundamental. And it's something that was demonstrated like 200 years ago that we don't understand that now is a little bit frustrating to me. In the same light of game
0: theory and, uh, choosing, making decisions, decision-making, leading, uh, just being an individual with social influence, uh, is there any, any uh, perspectives that maybe you could offer the students that are listening?
1: Okay, so when you say social influence, you mean like there are people out there who are kind of leaders in, and influencers Influencer. in society, or they're people yeah. who make a difference. Um, I have this wrong perception of the world that each person is kind of an individual and they don't like to follow other people because I think we all have this idea that our experience of the world is pretty typical. And I think the longer I've lived and the more I've observed, I realize that each individual has their own experience, which is quite different from this. So the whole concept of social influencers and that a few individuals can really have a big impact on other people seems so foreign to me because I always like to... Um, do things for myself. I don't like to have other people come up with ideas for me. I don't like to have other people do things for me. I like to be very self-sufficient and I I like to come up with my own ideas or pretend that I come up with my own ideas because clearly, clearly none of us do that. So I don't know. I really worry about social influence in general, because I think, you know, if we all, I, I, you know, philosophically I tend toward libertarianism, even though Empirically I know that it, it has a you know e- a political and economic system it doesn't actually work um but I really like to think that each individual should be like look, looking at the world him or herself and making their own decisions right and so thinking that there are people out there who have social influence and worse than that thinking that I might be one of those people is is deeply scary to me and I don't want people to listen to me and think oh, the professor might must be right about this because he knows more than I do.
0: Uh, this is more personal, uh, kind of staring away from what we've been talking about, but if you could relive a moment in your life, which would you choose and why?
1: <laughs> um, uh, that's a difficult question. I don't... Oh okay, so just like i've I've said that I don't actually like following the news because it helps my mental health to not do that. I am the type of person who constantly is going back and reliving specific moments, like to see, oh, maybe if I'd done things differently if or maybe if this had happened, I could have prolonged this good thing or cut short this bad thing or avoided certain problems, right so to me, that strikes a chord because I specifically am the person who tries not to relive past moments because I've learned so much from the past that it's important to like use that knowledge to keep moving forward and live a better life in the future than actually like sit there and say, oh, I wish I were back in this situation again. I I know that's kind of a cop-out answer and it's not giving you like, personal insight into me as much as you might want, but yeah, I think it's better to live in the present than worry too much about the past or focus so much on the future
0: that will hopefully give a lot of value to the listeners Uh, if you could snap your fingers and fix one problem in the country what would it be and why
1: great so I'm going to like give a non-answer to this again just like I, I always have done and I think so many people look at the world as, you know, there are simple solutions to to a lot of problems. If we just did this, then we would fix this one problem, right? And... I'm guilty of this. One of the things I always talk about in macro class is how we still have pennies in the US economy and it doesn't make any sense to have pennies. And so I guess my glib answer to this is if I could snap my fingers, we would take the penny and possibly the nickel and the dime out of circulation because they cause more trouble in their worth, right? But more realistically, I think you can't just change one thing. You kind of have to change whole systems in order to make a real difference. Like, I would love to simplify the tax code, you know, just make it more or less equal for everybody, eliminate loopholes, no mortgage interest deduction, all this type of thing. But it's not helpful because the way the system is set up, you always want to, as a legislature, as a legislator, go out there and change the laws in such a way that benefit the people who are giving you campaign contributions, people who are your important constituents. Um, So if you can actually change something, it should be changing the incentive structure so that the people who are making the laws, the people who are enforcing those laws, the people who run our society, their incentives are aligned with uh, the benefit or the well-being of the people, which is much more than just changing one thing right
0: how did you start thinking about being interested in economics game theory whatnot was it something that you kind of found early on or uh, where did where did the interest begin
1: so I'd like to say that you know since I was young I always saw myself as a scientist and also a student of the human condition I really wanted to understand this but this is almost certainly while it's true, it's almost certainly not the reason where I, why I am where I am today. And so a couple of things. I was a history major as an undergraduate, and we had a really good history department because I got my undergraduate degree here, and I thought I learned a lot, and I developed a lot of useful skills about critical thinking, analyzing sources, this type of thing, but there's always this problem because they are interesting stories and they get told because they're interesting stories. And it always was deeply unsatisfying to me because the people who are most successful at things like history or the law are the people who can tell the best stories and are the most convincing, have the best rhetoric. And next thing was, I always hated school. I talked about not liking homework, but in general, I just didn't like being in school. I thought my time was better spent doing what I was interested in, this type of thing. So I was sure I was never going to go to school past college. As soon as I got my college degree, I would be done. Then once I graduated, I started working, and every day I would wake up and just feel like I do not want to go into the office and do this horrible, mindless job. And that's a personal thing, because my sister still works in the same office, and she loves her job, but I just hated it. And so I said... Really, to do something else, probably I need to get more schooling. And so I went back to school, and I thought I was going to study finance because, at least with a finance degree, I was pretty much guaranteed to get a job somewhere. I didn't get accepted into any finance PhD programs, but I did get accepted into uh, economics and political science program. And so that was kind of luck. Where was that, by the way? That's at Claremont Graduate University. And it's kind of luck because I was still thinking of going into financial economics and doing this kind of thing. But as soon as I got there, I realized I loved microeconomic theory, especially like decision making and behavioral economics, public choice, all of these things that really get into why people make the decisions they do. I found it fascinating. And so I actually learned most of my economics at the graduate level. So I was teaching myself how to do multivariate calculus and linear algebra at the same time so that I could learn the models but it was really interesting because it it it's looking at human behavior in a very rigorous way but it's actually also giving you some some tools that you can use and i don't know i found it really fascinating to do that so i guess the reason why i like economics is that i hated my job and i was lucky enough to find something that i didn't hate in grad school so
0: (laughs) that's awesome so uh just because I want to be respectful of your time. uh, We'll kind of wrap up with this question. Is there any, uh, maybe any last, um, any last words (laughs) to say the least uh, to any, uh,
1: are to the campus listening? Um, Try to have fun and not take it so seriously because, um, hmm. Because I don't. <laughs> no, that's not true <laughs> at all. Okay, this is a message, I guess, just to students. It's kind of up to you to get whatever you're, you want to get out of your college experience and try to look at your professors who are here as people who are here to give you the tools to learn something, not as the people who are actually delivering specific information or skills to you.